We are here with another edition of Conversations and Connections. Of course, this is the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator for the agency. And February is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. And so I wanted to bring in someone from one of our schools in our area. And we are very fortunate to have Tanya Acreage from Lufkin ISD come on board. Uh, Tanya, first of all, thank you so much. I know your schedule is really busy. No, thank you. But uh, I appreciate it. And I'm going to ask you if you can either scoot a little bit closer to the mic or scoot the mic a little closer to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, First of all, Tanya, tell me exactly what your title is and what do you do for the Lufkin Independent School District? Well, I'm a licensed social worker. I kind of do a lot of things. I am a homeless liaison, work with the homeless uh, students, uh, work with the foster care students. Also, I'm a foster care liaison. I am a social worker, of course, and I carry out those various duties. We work with attendants in the district and I also encourage parent involvement. Wow. Okay. So a lot going on there. Of course, um, the Family Crisis Center and you, we've worked have worked a lot together yes. in, in, in various capacities. Uh, and again, I really do appreciate you uh, do, doing this for me. Um, so teen dating violence, you know, many people probably don't think about teens when they think of relationship violence. You know, we talk about domestic violence a lot, but... Um, it can happen uh, on the younger level and younger relationships, and it's there. How big of a problem is it, do you think? Or what do you see? Well, you know, I don't have numbers for our district specifically. And oftentimes it's not as visible at school because of the desire to keep it hidden. However, statistically, that suggests that one in four teens have experienced some form of dating violence. And I want to add that male and females are equally likely to perpetrate and experience dating violence. Sure. And, and that's one of the things we always point out in when we just talk about domestic violence or even sexual assault. You know, it, it's I think it is important to know that men can be exactly. and boys can be uh, survivors just as well. Now, you said that um, teens and young people may not report. Do you think it's just... You think it's just that age group? Do you think it's on their radar that they just don't think about it? Or is it out of embarrassment, do you think, to report something like that? You know, what I think, you think it's a whole conglomerate of things. I know you sit at adult level, too. Um, I think it's embarrassment. I think it's um, a lot of times they have a re- reputation there at the school. And the perpetrator even may not have a reputation of being a violent or, you know, inappropriate person. And so that's a good point. People don't believe them if they did tell someone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So what are some signs, you know, uh, signs that a parent or a teacher should look for in a teen to indicate that they may be in abuse in in an abusive relationship? Is there certain telltale signs that an adult can look for in a young person, in a teen. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really hard because, you know, teenage years themselves are pretty difficult. Uh, Children are struggling. Adults are struggling to deal with children at that age. And so, you know, at school, the student may isolate themselves from friends, from pressure from their partner, or they may hide the situation, as we mentioned. You know, jealousy of the perpetrator is a big factor. 
many times they don't want them to go around their friends. So if you start seeing a student that may be uh, normally a social student, and then they start isolating themselves with that partner more. Uh, the student's partner may insist on their knowing their whereabouts all the time, uh, picking up on that. Of course, the grades may begin to suffer. Mm -hmm. Attendance may suffer. Uh, there may be some skipping of the school. Um, and there's obvious signs, the unexplained injuries. Um, at home, the child may be more of a recluse than usual. Uh, and, of course, the parent may see the signs of more aggressive touching or um, uh, insisting on knowing the whereabouts of, of their partner. Okay. All right. Um, if a teen is in, a, in an abusive relationship, what... I guess what aspects of their lives does it affect? You kind of probably mentioned some of that yeah. already. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, home, school, friends, yes. um, et cetera, really. Well, you know, as I mentioned, the grades and performance may begin to suffer. Just as any crisis situation, teens become distracted. If you can imagine trying to function at a normal level when you're, you know, have a hidden issue you know, you're trying to deal with as well. And then on top of that, being a teen, oftentimes the abusive partner doesn't want them to be in public, as I mentioned. So they may insist on doing things on their own. Abusers can track locations. You know, that's another thing with our phones we have now. And these teenagers, you know, exactly. they share their location with friends yeah. on Snapchat and everywhere. And so these abusive partners will be constantly bombarding them with text during school. You know, where are you at? Uh, mm -hmm. Who did you talk to? Why are you here? Uh, they lose contact with friends, especially if the friends see the negative signs in the relationship and want to stop the relationship or break up the couple. Uh, and it's hard for students who are being abused to break off relationships at school. Uh, there is a lot of pressure, you know, to yeah. stay, oh, that's a cute couple. Oh, you're such a cute couple, you know, and everyone sees them as that. And it's very hard. That is, it's interesting that you say that because that's one of, one of the trainings that I do is it's, and it's called the escalation workshop and it kind of helps teach bystander intervention. And we, it's a, it's, it's, it's produced by the one love foundation and it's a film about a college student or a college couple that the relationship starts out really great and it escalates into a bad relationship. But that's, that's one of the talking points is, you know, a couple shares their status or whatever, or someone shares their relationship status on social media and they share pictures and their friends and probably even family. Oh, y'all are so cute. Y'all are just made for each other. And if that relationship isn't so hot privately, it may be embarrassing for, exactly. you know, and they want to say face, I guess, or mm -hmm. still put up that front that, Oh, everything's fine. Cause Maybe they don't want to let their friends down or their family down because they, quote, unquote, look so cute. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Together, you know. Um, what role does the school play in addressing this issue? Or can the school really do anything? You know, sometimes I wonder, I'm dating myself, but back when I was in high school, I don't know if people really paid attention to teen relationships as far as relationship violence goes. I think everybody was concerned about sex, you know, and, and, and couples having sex, but as, but as far as like violence, I don't know if that was really even thought of back then, mm -hmm. like it may now be. 
Well, you know, working behind the scenes like I do, uh, I can tell you right now, our counselors, we have a team of counselors in all grade levels that focus on positive relationships and students, and they're truly an amazing group that have a genuine concern for their students, not only academically, but they look out for their best interests. And we as a district obtain training each year on healthy relationships and the signs of negative interactions among our students. You know, in addition, our administrative staff on our campuses keep an eye out for these signs that I mentioned. And as counselors, they will talk to the students and if we have concerns, and as a district, uh, we'll immediately contact the parent. So they'll be aware and can intervene. And I think that's mm. what's important to, you know, go at it and not ignore it. And when we see the signs, just address it and then let the adults know, the parents know, the guardians know immediately so sure. they can intervene. Yeah. You know, and and I'm, I'm just kind of going back, and I hate to always go back, well, back in my day, but back in my day, I don't even know if we had counselors, but I think then it was more of an academic counselor that we had. I honestly, and I may be completely wrong, uh, this was in uh, the Aldine School District, which is just a, a suburb of Houston. I don't know if we had someone like you. I don't know if we had a social worker in the, there may have been one on the district level. I don't know. But if there was, I never heard of us having social workers and like you, you're a, a homeless liaison. And all. I don't think we even had anything like that to anyone like that. I should say to look after us mm -hmm. back then. You know, a lot of positions are new. A lot of things, the laws have changed and required people to advocate more for special populations. You know, I think this has always been a problem that's been around to some degree. But yeah. I think the difference, in my opinion, is that with social media, societal views and private lives have become more public. People are becoming more aware of it. And through the years, I think education has been the key to making everyone aware of the signs of an unhealthy relationship. You know, a good example of what I feel has helped is just looking at our relationship with your agency and my relationship with your agency. Your agency has been around for years. Mm -hmm. However, with confidentiality was such a priority, it almost created a barrier. Uh, we had to build a trust once you became the Family Crisis Center, and it's opened up huge doors for us to be able to advocate and serve the crisis mm -hmm. families. Uh, you know, with your Cross Family Crisis Center, we've been able to remove barriers and also be able to educate and advocate the population with the population, with the, with your clients, to be able to let them know what's out there. And um, just, you know, in general, just from things from the transportation to making sure children get enrolled, you know, to constant communication for protection for your families. Um, I think social media has had a negative impact sometimes. Yeah, and that's that's something I was going to yeah. talk to you about. What what are your thoughts on well, that? You know, I'm not. I'm as you mentioned, telling your age. <laughs> my girls will tell you I'm not a big fan of social media, but I will tell you that I've seen a positive impact in social media in bringing these issues into awareness and education because it's available more. You see podcasts like your own. You see even podcasts from younger people, from teenagers themselves, educating each other on what's healthy, what's not, even oftentimes speaking in their own language or their own jargon mm -hmm. of what's healthy and what's not. Sure. And sometimes I wonder if that may be maybe not the solution, but what could be a big help is us training um, 
peers or the or peer you know high school peers. I agree. For students, you know, they be more more apt to listen to their peers with this message of anti you know relationship violence uh, or relationship violence prevention if it, if they hear it from one of their peers, exactly. one of their friends. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, how long have you been with the district? How long have you been with the, or how long have you been doing this? Well, I graduated in 94 from SFA. Okay. And so I've been doing this, what, 27, 28 years. I did my internship with uh, Lufkin ISD in 94 and then came back to work for them in 97. Oh, okay. So. Okay. Quite a while. So what made you decide to get into something like this? Well, you know, I've always had a passion to help children and families. I think we all do that are in this business. Uh, this is what I call my mission field, where I feel I'm needed and hopefully make a difference. School was a happy place for me, and I knew this was where I could help remove obstacles for learning. And combining those two was a perfect match to be able to help students have the tools they need to focus in the classroom and just succeed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was there? Is this something you think you always want? I mean always wanted to do? Is this something that... I think so. I think, you know, in the field of social work, it's so wide and so uh, it just expands so many different fields. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could do pretty much anything, but the school, I think the advantage of that is that while you can advocate and you can help, uh, you're also with that child in that situation, whether it's positive or negative, and you can follow them through, through their educational experience and kind of help them. And I guess p- perhaps maybe with your job, you're not just on the campus or in office somewhere. You're out there in the community exactly, helping, yes. these, helping these kids yes, and their families. Yes, I get to go see these families at their homes oftentimes. And, you know, we've got some wonderful families that care deeply for their children. And we get to connect them with agencies like yours, you know. And, mm-hmm. and that's such a, an important thing to have people like you, you know, that can help our families. Yeah. Uh, well, before we wrap things up, is there anything that we haven't talked about or anything that we haven't mentioned that you want to make sure that uh, myself or listeners of this podcast know about teen dating violence and the situation that's there? Well, you know, the one thing I thought about after you know I talked to you was that one thing we tend to forget, and I do mention it a lot to a lot of your clients when I talk to the, to the mothers or the fathers, is that I think it's important as parents that we model healthy relationships. We're always people that say they never fight, they never argue. I can't imagine that. I don't think that's healthy either. But I think it's important for us to model at home how we solve those arguments and teach our children that, you know, our bodies are not for hitting. That's what I tell children a lot. You know, they're just not for hitting and they're not for abusing. And when something's not funny to someone else, it's not, you know, you're not, they're not enjoying it. Then it's a bullying and it needs to stop. Mm -hmm. And whether that's in a relationship or whether it's at home with your spouse, you know, we need to, you know, teach our children and, and be examples to our children of healthy relationships. That's a good point. All right. Well, Tanya Acreage, thank you so much you. For, for coming in. Tanya Acreage, uh, social worker for Lufkin ISD. And uh, I meant to ask, are you re- do you work with all students, all grade levels? Are you just high yes. school, middle school, or is it? The whole district. Every- I work so the with whole all grade dist- levels. All, uh, district-wide. Mm-hmm. All right, great. 
All right. Well, thank you, Tanya. I appreciate that. Um, If you have any comments or questions regarding what we have talked about today, we do have an email address. That email is conversationsandconnections at fccet.com. We also have a -a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week hotline. If you feel like you need our services for any reason, I do encourage you to give us a call. That Again, this number is answered day or night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That number is 1-800-828-7233. Again, that number is 1-800-828-7233. And as always, remember, be the voice. If not for you, for someone else.